0: Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.
1: This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch, find inspiration for your new vibe every day at Saks.com.
2: Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey, <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hello, my dark darlings. I'm Markia, and this is the Something Scary Podcast. To our veteran listeners and those just voyaging into the dark with us for the first time, happy holidays. From the team at Something Scary and everyone at Snarled, We wanted to thank you for listening and being part of our horror community for another year. And hopefully in between your wonderful holiday delights, you're getting in your scares as well. Because that's what it's about. A little sugar with your spice. There are many different senses we use to experience life and the world beyond. Those feelings can bring us joy, our total terror. When you know deep down something is wrong, trust those instincts. When you sense death, run before it's too late. First, the beat of a deadly drum. Followed by a child's murderous cry. Then, killer shadows in the water... Finally, in our featured story, Attraction Overrules Primal Fear. I receive hundreds of creepy story submissions every single week, and of those, the scariest ones make it into our podcast, along with the story that we've chosen to animate and post over at youtube.com snarled. If you have a tale you're dying to share, send me an email at somethingscary@snarled.com. So, want to hear something scary? Sensing Death It's important to be aware of the luxury and privilege you have. Because if you're not careful, your life could turn into a nightmare in an instant. Like in this story inspired by Denisha. Annika and her friends had been back to school shopping and were each laden down with goods. I hope the A train doesn't take too long. Annika complained, carting her mini shopping bags down the subway steps. They'd enjoyed a fun afternoon and grabbed dinner before heading home. The station was crowded as people went about their busy lives in a city that never slept. Near the newspaper stands and coffee carts were piles of trash and sleeping bags, home to people less fortunate than themselves. Anika felt a pang of guilt. In between the blankets and a heavy coat and hat was a man playing the drums, tapping out a beat with his hands. Anika suddenly felt the need to dance. And before long, the group of teens were dancing and singing along to the beat the drumming man provided. The other commuters waiting for their trains enjoyed the show and soon were dropping loose change and dollar bills into the man's upturned baseball cap. Once the dancing finished, Anika and her friends bowed to the applause from the crowd. She put her hand into her pocket to take out some cash when her friend Casey said, What are you doing? You provided the entertainment. He should be paying you. The others nodded in agreement and grabbed their bags as their train was due to arrive. Unthinkingly, almost like a prank, Anika quickly reached down to pull a couple of bucks out of the man's cap. The man then caught her hand just for a second. She was shocked, instantly ashamed at herself, then creeped out that a stranger had touched her. She jumped away, hand empty, and onto the train with her girlfriends. That evening, laying in her comfortable bed, she tossed and turned. Kicking the sheets on and off, playing with the air conditioning. No matter what she did, she just couldn't settle. She was too hot and restless. The spot on her hand where the man had touched her burned. When she woke up the next morning on the couch in the den, she was surprised, but not worried. She must have wandered in there when she couldn't sleep in her room and was just too tired to remember. But when it happened four or five more times, including waking up in the bathtub. Her mom insisted on taking her to the doctor. Dr. Nicotero suggested it was simply a case of sleepwalking, likely due to the stress of Anika studying for SATs and thinking about college applications. Just to be on the safe side, Anika started locking her door and window at night. Her dad was pretty strict about running the AC now that summer was supposedly over, and her room was getting pretty hot again with the doors and windows shut. But the night before an important test, she couldn't take the stuffiness anymore, and she opened her window just enough to allow the cool breeze to soothe her to sleep. She was dreaming about the subway. The man with the drums. She was dancing again. The familiar beat making her feet move. Her feet. Why did they hurt so much? Was it from all the dancing? As she looked down, she realized she wasn't wearing shoes and the soles of her feet were bleeding. She felt tired. Even though she was sure she was just dreaming, she needed sleep. The man was packing his drums into a big case, A big case that looked ever so comfortable. With a yawn, Anika stretched and climbed into the case, no questions asked. Finally, she could sleep. Then, Anika jolted awake. For the first time in weeks since she'd started locking her door, she wasn't in her bed. It was dark, and she couldn't move. She was so cramped. Prying one arm from behind her, she felt around her in dread and discovered she was inside something. Had she somehow gotten out of her room and into a kitchen cabinet? But if so, it wasn't opening. Wild with panic, she began to bang on the walls of whatever she was in, but to no avail. No one was answering. Nothing was budging. She was trapped. In absolute terror, she thrashed and screamed as much as the tiny claustrophobic space allowed her until she passed out from exhaustion. She was woken again by a swaying motion. It seemed as if whatever she was inside of was moving. Too terrified to scream, she waited to see what happened next. She was dropped to the ground with a thud, and her entire body jarred painfully. Her limbs were already seizing up, her extremities numb. Then all of a sudden, there was movement and light, and she rolled out onto a hard surface. Before her were a pair of old work boots. As she looked up, she recognized the man from the subway, the man with the drums. She wanted to scream, but before she could make a sound, he began to play, and she began to dance, and she would continue to dance until she finally died from exhaustion and starvation, along with the many of the others who had been touched, the burn marks upon their hands branding them, those that thought they could get away with putting down those that were less fortunate than themselves. Her journey wasn't at an end though, because Anika's soul had been possessed by the beat demon, and now she would be his for eternity. Thank you so much, Denisha, for inspiring this beat demon story for us. Sleep exhaustion can be a powerful thing, has anything ever kept you up till all hours of the morning? Was it because you experienced something supernatural? Tell us about it at somethingscaryatsnarl.com. Angie has made it easier than ever to
0: connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take. Whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs,
2: Sleep deprivation caused by a new baby might make an inexperienced parent think they're losing their mind. But by the time they discover they really are, it's already too late. Like in this story inspired by Karina Allison, Lilith groaned as the baby began to cry again. It didn't seem like the usual infant, I'm hungry kind of noise, more like a wailing banshee. She briefly considered leaving Jackson to cry, but despite being utterly exhausted, she rolled out of bed and shuffled down towards the nursery. On the way, she momentarily caught a glimpse of herself in one of the many mirrors in the hallway. If George A. Romero were still making movies, I'd be ideal for a zombie role, she thought to herself. As usual, the surroundings reminded her of her late husband, Marcus, who had tragically taken his own life just days after Jackson had arrived. As she neared the nursery door, a stench hit her, and she wondered when she'd last taken out the garbage All those dirty diapers were making quite the smell. Jackson's screaming reached a crescendo when he saw his mother. She didn't know how something so small could make such a den. She gathered him up in blankets, shuddering at the thought of touching his skin. Although many new mothers love the feel and scent of their child, Lilith couldn't bear it. Not after finding her husband's body... The movement must have soothed him, and Lilith was rewarded with silence. She breathed a quiet sigh of relief and placed her son back into the crib. As she tiptoed out, she looked forlornly at the nursery door Marcus had so lovingly painted blue. Now a slapdash white, not quite covering the bloodstains. Gulping back the tears, she thought she heard the voice that had plagued her through her pregnancy as she passed the mirrors. What we do not see will damn us forever. She managed a few pitiful hours of restless slumber before the screaming started again. It was as if Jackson was in constant agony and nothing could soothe him. Lilith rubbed her eyes, staggering to her son's room. The smell had intensified overnight. She gagged upon reaching the nursery. He must have filled his diaper, maybe vomited too. As she approached the crib, repulsed as always by the sight of her only offspring, she felt the sickening urge to smother him. A simple pillow over his face would stop the incessant crying. A hand placed upon his mouth and nose would relieve her of the constant screeching. Her body shook with guilt at the thought, and despite Jackson's wailing, she picked him up, though careful not to touch his skin. The rancid odor was even worse, but she knew if she tried to change him before his feeding, it would end in utter carnage. And the way she felt right then She couldn't swear she'd be in total control of her actions. As she sat in the rocker, she realized how light her son felt. Maybe he hadn't been feeding as much as he should have been. Maybe her milk had been affected by her grieving. And he was just so dang fussy now, refusing to feed yet again. In the end, she gave up. He mustn't be that hungry. She placed him on the changing table, ready to do battle. The stench of his soiled diaper was so overwhelming that she almost fainted. How on earth could he produce so much filth when he wasn't eating? You know why, came the voice again from the mirrors, the voice that tormented her. She had no idea her husband had also been hearing those terrible voices until the day she came home and found his body. He'd left a note explaining he was sorry, but he couldn't live with those voices anymore. Lilith screwed her eyes shut. No, she would not be beholden to them. Look at your son. Look. The voice commanded, no, she screamed, but it only got louder, echoing all around, mirrors smashing, shards of glass flying around her. Okay, Lilith conceded, unable to take any more. And so, for the first time since Marcus had killed himself, she really looked at her son. And the memories came flooding back. The voices and the mirrors during her pregnancy, Marcus becoming more and more distant, bringing Jackson home, colic causing the baby to scream for hours on end. Marcus felt helpless, confessing that the voice in the mirror was goading him, pushing him to destructive thoughts, destructive thoughts against his family his blood. Lilith coming home to find him too late. Dead. All that blood. After the detectives and crime scene cleaners left, the baby was still crying. Jackson just would not shut up. Couldn't let her grieve, couldn't let her think, so she'd the pillow, pushed it over his face until he was finally and thankfully silent. Looking now at her son's corpse, bloated with gases, rapid decomposition causing the stink she'd thought was garbage, she realized he had not been the one screaming in anguish this last week. It had been her all along. Grief and guilt caused from erasing the last part of herself and Marcus. She had killed their baby, The voice in the mirror had controlled her, but it would be Lilith who would now have to pay the price. No one would ever believe her. She laid Jackson's body down and dialed 911. Thank you so much, Karina Allison, for inspiring this horrific tale for us. Have you ever heard voices you just knew weren't coming from inside your own head? Did anyone else believe you? Did you feel as if you were going insane? If you're fascinated by the darker sides of humanity, join us every week on our podcast, Serial Killers They say misery loves company. So you better be careful who you're surrounded by or they'll drag you down with them. Like in this story inspired by Catherine Rodriguez. Sometimes when I was little, I would spend the day with my grams. She was an amazing lady and never minded looking after me. We'd bake, take long walks and do crafts. It was bliss. One day, my mom had dropped me off with Grams and asked her to make sure that I was still clean when she picked me up. We were going out to dinner straight from there. After a particularly fun but messy cookie-making session, Grams ran me a bath. As she ran the washcloth over me, she noticed that I would stare very intently at the wall behind her. When she asked what on the earth was so fascinating about a silly old wall, I told her I was looking at a mirror. Since I was young and had a vivid imagination, she chalked it up to an imaginary friend, no harm, no foul. After several more similar occurrences, she told my mom, apparently not only did I stare blankly at the bathroom wall for the duration of each bath time, I had taken to having... Long conversations if I used the toilet in there. But only in that bathroom. If I used the half bath on the first floor, I was quick and silent. Mom was confused. My so-called imaginary buddy, this Amir, never appeared at home. She had never even heard of him. When questioned, I simply told them he was my their friend. And he couldn't go anywhere else. Mom shrugged her shoulders, and for a time, that was that. Amir didn't seem to cause any mischief. He wasn't blamed when things went missing, nor used as a scapegoat for occasional cheekiness. Yet, grams began to feel uncomfortable during bath times. My behavior became more and more unnerving. For a few weeks after that, I didn't go over. Maybe we were on vacation. Maybe Graham's was, I don't remember. But I do recall the look on her face when I was dropped off and instructed to be returned, bathed and ready for bed since it would be late. She looked almost fearful. That afternoon, as we walked into the bathroom together, there was a ring of dust on Graham's usually impeccable tub. Oh, I... uh... I haven't been using this room, she explained. I uh, prefer a shower these days. She had been avoiding that bathroom. Things came to a head when she turned to grab my shampoo, and when she looked back, I was fully submerged under the bathwater, thrashing and trying to break the surface, but being pinned down by unseen hands. She quickly grabbed a hold of me and tried to pull me out, but I was like a dead weight. She could tell I wasn't resisting. It was as though someone else wanted to keep me under the water. She saw the panic in my eyes as she tried again, and this time yanked me out of the water, plopping me onto the mat. She embraced me as I shook and she asked, What were you playing at? You scared me half to death. Amir wanted to play, I replied, teeth chattering and not just because I was freezing. I looked at the tub as if it had grown horns. He said he was going to keep me under the water, and if I stayed long enough, we can be friends. Just before I burst into tears, I added... He said I could stay forever. That was the last bath I ever had at Graham's house. She confided in my mom that she had seen shadows in the bathroom. It was always cold there, even with the furnace up high. She'd come upstairs to find the bath drawn, water ready and waiting, despite never turning on the faucet, and on more than one occasion, heard a childlike giggle accompanied by splashing. Grams had moved into that house a few years before I was born, just after granddaddy had passed. She didn't know the history of the place. It had stood empty for a while, something to do with a foreclosure. Seeing how anxious Grams had become, my mom decided to do some digging. She went to the library, and there she found the final piece of the puzzle. An old newspaper report from the 1920s. The headline read, Parents distraught. Tragedy strikes as seven-year-old Amir O'Hallan accidentally drowns in bathtub. Amir, my so-called imaginary friend, was real. His spirit had never left the house where he had tragically died so young. And he had wanted me to join him in the bathtub forever. Thank you so much, Catherine Rodriguez for inspiring and sharing this tale with us. Listener, have you ever been a witness to the ghost of someone who's died? Did you fear for your safety? Did they try to get you to cross over? The beaches of Thailand are breathtakingly beautiful, but on these beaches also lurk ghosts that are breathtakingly deadly. You must be aware of your surroundings or you will end up as the next victim. Chintana and Isra were staying with their grandparents who lived near a beach in beautiful Thailand. After dinner, the young women would head down to the shore to enjoy the sunset. Isra would take Chintana by the hand and describe the beautiful colors in great detail as her younger sister was visually impaired. They'd walk along the shoreline until it was dark, then head home. It was on one of these evening strolls that Chintana and Isra first met him. Since it wasn't a tourist area of the island, the young ladies rarely saw other people. But that night, there was another teenager sitting alone against the rocks. It was already getting dark, but Isra couldn't resist heading over to say hello. As they approached him, Chintana recoiled. There was a foul odor, like overboiled cabbage. She screwed up her nose, but didn't say anything. The stranger seemed quiet, reluctant to answer the questions Isra was happily firing at him. After a few minutes, Chintana tugged at her sister's arm to leave. As they walked away, he called out, See you tomorrow. Chintana couldn't get a word in edgewise as her sister rambled on about their mysterious new friend. She was smitten, describing his soulful eyes and playful smile. When Isra finally took a breath, Chintana asked, didn't you notice the smell? Isra was quick to suggest it must have been something in the water, but something felt off to Chintana. We don't even know his name, she thought. The following evening when Isra appeared, Chintana could smell the strawberry shampoo and the delicate musk of perfume. Tears filled her eyes. Isra was oblivious, her thoughts solely on the handsome stranger. But Chintana believed something bad was going to happen and she didn't know if she would be able to stop it. As before, Chintana could smell something putrid before they reached the rocks. Less rotten vegetables and more like a festering animal carcass. This time, she pulled her sister to a halt. You must be able to smell that, she hissed. But Isra insisted it was the sea and that Chintana was being overly sensitive. It was clear her sister was just ignoring the stench, passion overruling her senses. The handsome teenager was resting against the rocks as before, but this time, he was more animated. He even tried to engage Chintana in conversation, but she just scowled. Chintana gagged, not at her sister acting like a lovesick puppy, but at the malodor. Tuning out her sister's gushing, all of a sudden, it dawned on her what the smell reminded her of. The butcher's back at home. stink of meat, blood, and entrails was what was now assaulting her nostrils. She turned back into the conversation to hear the young man suggest Isra rub his back. It seemed like such a bizarre request until it clicked. The stench of rotting entrails hanging out by the water at night. His back. No, Isra! screamed Chantana, realizing to her horror that this was no teenager. He was a filon clonk, a Thai spirit who befriends and beguiles strangers. It will seem to be a regular, attractive human until they ask someone to scratch their back. Upon doing so, their terrifying secret will be revealed. A gaping wound right through the body, festering with maggots, worms, and millipedes. But it was too late. Entranced, Isra began to rub his back when her hand plunged into an open cavity filled with decay, fingers deep in the heaving mass of insects and viscera. She pulled away screaming, but the worms and maggots had attached themselves to her skin, quickly destroying her flesh as they fed in an alarming speed. Chantana could only listen, frozen in shock, to the sounds of her sister being devoured by the hollow back ghost. Their job done. The insect minions climbed back inside the filonkloang, sated until their next victim came along. This week's podcast stories were edited by Markeia McCarty, Janine Pipe, and Sarah Lukasiewicz. Narration by Markeia McCarty. Audio edited and mixed by Fitz Harris. Additional audio editing by Calvin Linderman. Art and graphics by Mari Carlson. Produced by Hannah Mullen and Markia McCarty. Music by Sapphire Sandalo and Calvin Linderman. If you have a story you'd like to submit, send me an email at somethingscary@snarled.com. Don't forget to watch the video version of Something Scary over at youtube.com slash snarled. And if you'd like to support the show and everything we do at Snarled, join our Patreon at patreon.com snarled. Until next time, my dark darlings, sweet dreams.
0: Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs